You're listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Evie. And i got to say, I missed last week's episode with all the talk of the of the climate and, and Murdoch and, and billboards and all the rest of it. And I've got some prepared notes, oh, actually. No. Just, just a quick... <laughs> I've just got some thoughts, just a few little thoughts. I'm holding back. Holding back. We kept you out of that episode for a reason, I quickly wanted to just... (laughs) (laughs) But otherwise, I think it was a pretty good discussion all up. I really like listening to my own (laughs) part. I could just imagine you listening and just wanting to interject, even though you know that you're listening to a podcast. You just go, but, but. <laughs> <laughs> if I could just stop you there for a second. I just but- want to cut in. Can I just cut in? <laughs> I, just, I think it is really weird that after just one week, I've now developed a parasocial relationship with my actual friends. <laughs> it's a super weird feeling. It's so true. <laughs> That's how I feel. Whenever I'm not on the podcast, whenever I'm doing jock stuff and I listen back to the podcast of a week, I just like, oh, isn't it nice to listen to my friends? That's how you should feel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mitch <laughs> likes to pretend that he's actually friends with his podcast co-host. We're colleagues, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, 100%. Well, that was that was one of the things we did going into this. It was just like, all right, we have this really nice group chat. We've been friends for years. Do we want to start a pod? It's essentially, do I want to talk to you once a week? <laughs> and every other time, just scream at each other, save it for the pod. Oof, once a week, it's a commitment. <laughs> Good thing we decided to do that before an international pandemic. <laughs> I also like that we sort of conditioned ourselves enough that when, like, I'm not on the pod and I'm listening to it, I'm like, oh, I hope they make this point. And then they make the point that I wanted to make. I'm like, great. I regularly, when, when like, especially with McLean, McLean, when you're not on the pod and I am, I hear you do your voice in my mind and I feel like I have to do it. <laughs> oh, I'm Matt Canavan and I think coal mines are really good. <laughs> it just has to come out. <laughs> That's not what I sound like, is it? <laughs> that was Matt Canavan's voice. Yeah. I do. I do. I Actually, I, I, mean, I was never going to bring it up. Uh, it seems a bit rude. But McLean, I do think it's weird that you're always putting on a voice through the entire <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I just sound like a fuckhead, okay? <laughs> McLean suppresses his normal Jamaican accent. <laughs> fuck. Jesus. Oh, fuck. Oh, it's one of these ones. This is what happens when Melbourne comes out of lockdown again. It's we the purge, baby. No, none of us know how to act normally anymore. But I love the idea that the purge allows you to do problematic accents. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> You know that's what those fucking YouTubers and comedians would do. They were just like, the purge would be their moment to just go out and like tell the jokes that they reckon are real funny. It's like, you can't do this anymore. Can't do this anymore. Except for most RSL clubs and comedy venues. We can't. You can't cancel me. There are no rules anymore. All the rules of society have broken down. Still, some words I'm not going to say. <laughs> I know we've all been indoors for a while. Just remember you can't say slurs. <laughs> Don't know what's going on. Good to be back. <laughs> Let's do some cool shit. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of cool shit, some cool shit happened this week. Yeah. 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 Like genuinely cool shit. First off, activist Lauren McDonald uh, was on stage at a TED Talk alongside a Shell CEO and called him a mass murderer to his face. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, it was so sick. She was on a panel uh, with uh, Shell CEO Ben Van Burden and it was just awesome. No matter what he says today, remember, Shell has spent millions covering up the warnings from climate scientists, bribing politicians and even paying soldiers to kill Nigerian activists fighting against them. All whilst rebranding to make it look as though they care and that they have the intention of changing. Disproportionately in the global south, so many people are already dying due to issues related to the climate crisis, such as pollution, extreme heat and weather-related disasters. This is not an abstract issue and you are directly responsible for those deaths. Admittedly only asked on as a panellist, after a very solid campaign from um, a UK group called Stop Cambo. Cambo is a UK oil field. Um, so it's similar it's not to your us. Mate. Yeah, it's not <laughs> our mate. It's so bad. Every time I see Cambo, I just hear it in an Australian accent. <laughs> just try and imagine if Adani was called Dazza. That's the- <laughs> I think this is fantastic, not just because of the stuff she says and the way she goes at him, which is great, but also because it's this thing of these monsters who run fossil fuel companies 
are so often removed from the people they're killing that they they really do need to be told to their face a couple times a day mm-hmm. that they are monstrous <laughs> murderers. Um, yeah. and, and it's great seeing that fucking happen. Oh, it's so yeah. good. It's just the thing, it's the thing we were talking about last week with the school strike for climate, that MPs really don't like being reminded by the generation yeah. that's coming that they are going to die and having that in front of them that you know to remind them that the policy they make affects the children of the future. And especially was- in this forum, like one-on-one in front of an audience, not like with a, a protest or a, you know, a pack of screaming, you know, protesters outside your office or something, but one person on stage with a microphone being like quite just like firm and polite and professional. And mm. you just have to sit there and take it. And I bet at that moment he was like, Maybe I shouldn't be doing all this horrible shit because then I wouldn't be in this position. Well, he wasn't, though. Like, there was this, also this bit where she asked him if he was going to stop uh, that development. And he was like, well, you know, and he, he he's about to launch into this sort of equivocating hmm. bullshit that we're all so familiar with, with you know, any climate denier uh, sort of thing. And she immediately cuts him off. She's just like, I'm just going to take that as a no. It's a yes or no question. Will you repeal this if you care? Will you repeal this? Repeal the appeal, what do you mean? Or, yeah. But, again, you gave some context, which, by the way... I'm going to take that as a no. That's the shit yeah. that we want to see. That's the good stuff. I yes. wanted to bring that point up specifically because that's what fucking journalists should be doing. Not right. activists on stage with yeah. TED Talk. Right. She says straight up, this is a yes or no question. Are you yeah. going to repeal this thing? And he goes... Oh, well, you know, for some context, she goes, that's a no then. I'm going to take that as a no. Yeah. And he's got nothing because it is a no. Because she's not there to give him airtime. She's not there to, like, fill out a a bloody column. She's there to get an answer and push him, which journos aren't doing enough of. It's so fucking good. There was one other element to this that I wanted to talk about uh, just briefly is the the fact that, like, she's clearly very nervous at the start Mm. of her talk and very emotional about it because she's, you know, obviously got the climate crisis front of mind. It's it's really, you know, it's confronting Mm. shit when you're not sort of trying to put up a, a you know, four-inch wall of, of fucking titanium irony in front of you, like we sometimes do in the podcast, the the, the sort of the, the willingness to break the tone mm. of yes. the event, I mm. think, is so important as well. This, this, it, it sort of ties in with what I was talking about with um, uh, Irrational Fear getting Joe Hildebrand on and mm. them being vulnerable to his climate denial because he was using their desire to keep up a comedic tone against them. He just used a little joke to deflect it. That's like, if you want to be a good activist, be willing to... Break the social norms. Break the tone. Break the social norm of what's going on. Sit in the awkwardness. Yeah. Being sincere about how much you know it will affect you. That's so brave, actually, because like, Mm. it's hard enough to be on stage in front of all these, you know, in front of a lot of people who don't almost certainly do not think about uh, the solutions as a communal problem. Um, Mm. And then to be so, like, you know, kind of hard on your sleeve about it and saying, like, this is is my future. This is is Mm -hmm. me that you're deciding to kill. Um, and, And being very insincere about that, that is a very incredibly brave thing to do. Well, this is how I think this is probably something that's vital to remember is when they got her on, they knew that she cared a lot about this. They knew as an activist that she believed this stuff in in her heart, but they were relying on the fact that the social norms around that um, would keep her from making a fuss. And they usually do. That's not a wrong assumption. Yeah. And so in all of these situations, like these power structures are kept in place almost entirely by those norms of people not making a fuss. And and the fact that she broke them, um, like, they, they had no idea that would happen. Mm. It makes me also think about um, the way in which TED Talks happen, which is very uplifting, and you can do mm. this personal mm. thing to girl boss your way to change the world to a better way. <laughs> and it, it, it very much disrupts that mood as well of like, well, mm. of course you can't do that. It, all, it requires all of us. It requires like, you know, people like Shell or people. It, it requires <laughs> organizations like Shell to actively fall on their sword. Mm. 
Yeah, and I mean, like, let's not pretend that Shell doesn't exist as people. It requires the the CEO of Shell mm. <laughs> yes. to fall on his sword. I mean, there's a lot of swords. I would love him or to anyone's one, sword. Yeah. It, who cares, right? Like, you know, or anything sharp. <laughs> <laughs> a big hole. He, they've got if it's the Shell CEO and really any kind of impalement, even a literal one, I'll allow it. Doesn't have to be metaphorical. Mm. <laughs> Up to him. Well, this, this is this is the thing as well. Talking about like you know breaking social norms and all the rest of it. Um, I've been I've finished up uh, How to Blow Up a Pipeline, which is a fantastic book. Definitely recommend it. Um, but talking about this like shifting in the consciousness of what is acceptable mm. and what is business as usual and what is aberrant. And uh, the example in the book is you know slashing SUV tires as this thing that happened years and years ago. And these people like losing their mind about like, I had to change a tire before work and blah, blah, blah. Or like any other sort of, you know, action like making people awkward at a TED talk. But what we need to do is shift our fucking perspective on the fact that business as usual is Mm. literally killing us. And that should be something that is met with a full-throated and full-frontal attack on these fucking gremlins. But, like, it's we've still got this awkwardness of, like, "Mm, yeah, but we don't really want to make people uncomfortable. Yes, we do. What we want to do is what this activist did multiple times on that stage is say, we will remember you. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that that you know that we will never forget what you have done and what Cher has done. I hope you know that as the climate crisis gets more and more deadly, you will be to blame. And I will not be sharing this podium with you anymore. You have a fucking name and a face and an address and we will fucking remember who you are. And I think when uh, Greta Thunberg talked about that, people were like, oh, that's a pretty intense metaphor. It's not a fucking metaphor. (laughs) It is not a metaphor, you motherfuckers. We know who you are. Yeah. As shit gets worse and you do less and less, we will fucking come for you. I'm being serious. I'm so glad you brought up that book as well. Um, we shouted out um, Jim Mello's um, article in Crikey last week uh, about just like the things that left organisers and activists can learn from the willingness uh, of conservatives and right-wing fuckheads to put themselves in the firing line when it comes to things that they believe in. Um, these are scary mm. things to think about. And the, the the reason, of course, why most leftists are reticent to do it is because we know that usually we're the ones who are targeted who explicitly by the police and who face the consequences. But mm. uh, I think we're definitely – it does feel like we're at a point where more people know that the situation, especially with climate change and especially with climate activism, is so much more desperate that we're running out of time that people are yeah. like, you know what, fuck it, time mm. to actually put the pedal to the metal and literally be there physically. Another thing that happened this week, uh, an activist from Extinction Rebellion in Newcastle, her, her name – she goes by Mia uh, – she – sat down in front of a coal train and held on up on the top ho- of the coal train. on top of the coal train and held up the whole line they couldn't move it she mm. held it up for 3 hours mm. fucking that's legend beautiful. holy what shit what a hero yeah and just that's awesome. incredible like <laughs> these are the these are the physical actions mm. that inspire people to act and it's the thing we talk about with the theory of change like people look at physical actions like Mia sitting on top of a coal train or Lauren Mm. standing up at a TED talk telling the CEO to his face that she's going to die as a result of his actions these are the things that inspire people to think about what's next like if I if I can't Mm. vote people out if I can't you know ask people really nicely for whatever changes need to be done. Turn off your light bulbs or turn, t- turn off my fucking light bulbs or just compost or something. What's next? Yeah. A- additionally to, to Mia holding up the coal train as well, as well as inspiring people, fucking costs them a lot of money. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. that's the beautiful thing here. These coal trains, because she doesn't have to do anything uh, violent or particularly dangerous. She just has to be on or near a train and they're not allowed to run it. You can't yeah. be like, run her over. They just can't. And and the train is operated by these union workers. They get paid whether or not the train is yeah, running. Um, and they're, they have very, you know, strict health and safety regulations where if there's a civilian on your train, obviously you can't fucking run the train. But, <laughs> but the coal company loses millions of dollars every hour this train sits still. And I love that. Yeah, it's good. 
And then they come along and they're like, you should get down now. And she's like, all right. And, you know, the cops come and she gets down <laughs> off the ladder and, you know, the issue goes away. What is This isn't the 10 a.m. to Sandringham? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> I've talked about it before, but my mum did something like that years ago where she just pretended like there was a logging company coming through in the Northern Rivers. And she just pretended to have a breakdown and played like a ditzy old woman oh, just being like, oh, rules. my engines, bro- I can't do it. And then they finally like, quote unquote, got it going. And she just drove at 5K an hour up there. <laughs> track for fucking (laughs) 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 fucking rules (laughs) so good and now for a bit of a comparison something that doesn't make much of a difference um (laughs) a whole lot of stuff happening with fucking governments on climate change mia on that coal train has probably done more for climate action than the entire australian government has ever done um or you know (laughs) the active government um, yeah. So, although actually before I get to Australia, Saudi Arabia set a net zero target by 2060. So Saudi Arabia <laughs> well, well, well. set a target. They may as well have just said never. But the thing is, they've at least said more than Scott fucking Morrison. Saudi <laughs> Arabia has it's set meaningless. a target. It's, it's yeah. meaningless. Saudi Arabia has no intention of doing anything useful and have no meaningful, like, you know, anything. But they've they've... Saudi Arabia now is more climate committed than the fucking Australian nationals. That's so depressing. I don't need to go into that any further. I do love this just sort of shitty sort of petulance of going for 2060. Like everyone's going for 2050. Like, ah, we're going to need that extra 10 years just to get the last couple of bits. I can't believe a petrochemical state has let me down like that. (laughs) (laughs) I also feel it's, it's important whenever we're talking about this net zero by 2050 thing. I think there's a sort of a consciousness in the government and maybe then, you know, the media or whatever, that that means we don't do anything till 2050. Like, it's like, all right, you got until 2050 yeah. to get out all the coal and then we stop. No, net zero by 2050 or 2060 or whatever basically means you need to stop cutting shit as quickly as you can right now. That means you should have a target for 10 years. You should have a target for five years. It doesn't mean you put things off till 2050. That sounds a little hasty, Lang. I, I'm more likely to go more with Gina <laughs> Reinhardt's position, which is that, like, that seems a little bit fast. We just want to, like, take it slowly and just, like, gradually do it. And then when we get to, like, tw- 2045, then maybe we'll have a chat about, like, what we can significantly do to stop it. Yeah. 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 To quote Margaret Thatcher, I, I don't <laughs> care about humanity. On the walls of, of Parliament House, it doesn't say stop, drop, and roll in case of fire. It says, like, well, let's think about this. Um, let's make a firm <laughs> commitment to stopping at some point, and yeah. then maybe we'll discuss our, our drop strategy. We will be rolling by 2050. <laughs> rolling? Guys, we can't talk about rolling before we've even stopped or dropped, okay? <laughs> I swear to God, if somebody drops, I'm going to quit the National Party. <laughs> <laughs> what does your lobbyist think of this fire? <laughs> Fucking, I mean, yeah, that's that's a little thing that I've got in the notes here that I just wanted to bring up is Bridget McKenzie, who we all thought resigned. Super oh, weird. She's still oh, in government. Yeah. Um, yeah, do, a rort? <laughs> <laughs> do a rort. We want to stop Cambo before they do a rort. Um, the- <laughs> McKenzie's the one who we say rort because of, right? Mm, yeah. Like, she's sports rorts. Yeah. yeah. The original the original rort of this particular crop of rort. Bloody but, episode yes. one of this podcast. Uh-huh. Yeah. Was that episode one? <laughs> Oh, episode yeah, two. two. Literally within the first, like, eight episodes, we talked a lot Evie's about- not a true fan. <laughs> yeah. and <there's- laughs> Sorry, I don't have yeah, a parasocial a relationship with this podcast. <laughs> but anyway, so time has happened in between sports rorts and now, and she's a big player in government again. Uh, but she's been going on about, like, this net zero by 2050. She's one of the holdouts in the National Party about, like, oh, I don't know about this, pretty scary. But she's gone around this week- uh, threatening that things will get dirty or that things will get nasty if Scott Morrison tries to like tie down or lock down net zero by 2050. To which I say, good, do it. Yeah, go on. You, <laughs> go the on, nationals, coward. The Shoot nationals me. get Shoot me. less. <laughs> the nationals get less regional seats than the Liberal Party at this stage. They are a redundant nothing party, but they still give the federal Liberals the balance of power. Go on, Bridget McKenzie, burn that down. I mm-hmm. fucking yeah. dare you. Please, for the love <laughs> of God, what will happen is that when she says things will get dirty, is that her and a few like climate denying assholes will go out and go ah. 
Okay, and then vote for it at the last fucking minute mm-hmm. because of course they are because they have no real fucking power in this. They want their positions more than mm-hmm. they want to take a principled stand. I just, I just, I just fucking love this idea that like Bridget McKenzie of all people being like, oh, oh, oh I might do some politicking. No, you won't. Shut the fuck up. You will not. <laughs> They're just gonna vote in lockstep with each other continually, no matter what. But when things get dirty, it just means that they background the press on other different <laughs> bits of corruption that their enemy MPs have done. <laughs> Which again, fine, Look, do it. If we get the nationals out of government, um, it might mean we finally stop seeing brand new RM Williams boots um, and a Cooper <laughs> being, uh, being flourished in parliament, like, you know, from people who've clearly never seen an inch of dirt in their lives. <laughs> No, no, Evie. Albo is still the leader of the opposition. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't you monkey pull that, Levy. The, the, the Nationals will get out of they'll get out of power when the Twiggy Party starts. More newer RMs than you've ever seen. It, it's funny that you mentioned Twiggy because he actually owns RM Williams now. Anyway, I'll drop that does little he, tip in. Does he fucking? Oh my god! Is nothing sacred? My boots, my damn boots. Ah, oh, she's not fucking lying. I was being sincere. He owns it. <laughs> he just asked his assistant to like duck out and grab him some RM Williams. Yeah, he <laughs> went to- <laughs> <laughs> that line from fucking Inception. Oh, I just bought the whole airline. It seemed cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> so now you know that every time that you see any one of these photos with a brand new pair of RM Williams, oh. Twiggy Forrest contributed to that. Oh, the fucking revolving door continues. That's where all... Oh, fucking Scott Morrison has, like, a shipping container worth of Iron Williams he's going to sell in six months. That's how the fucking corruption's getting into Canberra now. It's just money laundering through boots. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, look, the the Nationals are demanding crazy shit to even consider not burning this place to the ground. Stuff like, oh, we need $250 billion for for mineral investments. Oh, you've got to promise that we won't decrease fossil fuels. It's basically what they're saying is we'll think about an emissions target if you make sure that we maintain our emissions. Yeah, it's just like the only way that we will agree to net zero by 2050 is if we agree to lock in four degrees of warming before 2050 and then hit net zero. Burn all the coal first and then we'll talk about it. I mean, that is the sort of stance of the federal government as well, where they're just like, fuck, net zero by 2050 does mean that we need to have all of our coal sold and burnt by then. Otherwise, oh no. And then then we go, okay, let's get our carbon capture and storage happening. Angus Taylor's like, oh no, that was never a thing. Yeah, no, I made that up. Oh, you thought that was a... Oh, fuck no. I, I woke up at 5am one day and had this like lingering part of a dream and I wrote it down and I've just been saying it ever since. Carbon capture yeah. and storage. <laughs> I mean, it is literally just a thing that's just like a, a you know a, a post-it note that says reverse climate change on it. That, that <laughs> is the promise of carbon capture and storage and the sort of degree to which it has been developed and is effective. It's just, oh, what if we undid it though? <laughs> yeah, what, what if? <laughs> That'd be nice. It's not happening. Angus Taylor bloody misses his kids' birthday parties and he's like, but I'm going to build a time machine. (laughs) The kid's like, dad, just don't even. Bad fatherhood capture and storage. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I'm going to be such a good dad by 2050. (laughs) Net zero missed birthdays by 2050. I mean, that's the Barnaby Joyce approach. None of my family likes me. I'll start a new family. Barnaby Joyce is branch stacking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Can we, like, try not to say anything defamatory for, like, five minutes? (laughs) It's not defamatory. I'm saying that he's trying to restore his familial bond. It's a thing that he really values. Spare a thought for poor Barnaby Joyce. That that nearly made me throw up. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a crime. It's not a crime. <laughs> Only against God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about the IPCC shit. <laughs> now, now, we're, now we're warmed up. We're feeling loose. Let's talk about the IPCC. So there was a big leak of internal IPCC documents, um, and most of them were probably very boring. It's basically like they're preparing the next report because they got a bunch of reports um, to bring out. 
Um, and before they release them, they get all of the governments to pitch in and be like, here's what I reckon you should say and you shouldn't say. And I've got some comments. And then they send that back to the scientists and they go, can we, you know, is, is this insane? What do we say? And then they kind of compromise for a while. And then they bring something out that the governments aren't too grumpy about and the scientists are okay with, in theory. Yeah. Um, and the, 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 the IPCC does have a lot of power to push back against that. Oh, like yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the sort of amendments they're about to talk about were rejected yes. <laughs> for being insane. Um, and also, this is uh, a relatively transparent process. Like, they do also release, like, the, you know, the comments and the drafts and, and things like that. But they don't usually leak them in advance. And so that's what's neat. And it's like when politicians um, say, oh, we're thinking about doing this. That's to gauge a response. And this mm. is good because... If everyone is like, this is fucking nuts, maybe they'll change what they actually do. Okay, to cut to the chase, um, a lot of the, the comments in this report are fucking nuts. Uh, it's countries <laughs> like Saudi Arabia and Australia and Japan um, and other countries that love climate change for some reason. Just uh, being like, hey, what if we didn't have a climate change report? Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't know who specifically have have been, like, making these comments. They always say an Australian government official. We can definitely make a good guess, though, right? Yeah, rhymes <laughs> with Mangus Mailer. Um, <laughs> Peter Dutton. And so the IPCC will, will say something like, oh, maybe we should stop building new coal-fired power stations. And this Australian <laughs> official on, has, has commented, these remarks confuse the objective, eliminating emissions, with the means, retiring coal-fired power. Uh, and it's like... Shut the yeah. fuck up! <laughs> yeah! If you've got a better way, we'd love to hear it. Carbon <laughs> capture and storage. <laughs> well. I haven't seen these leaked documents yet, but I just... I imagine it not as, like, multiple documents, but just one giant... Um, report yeah. that still got track changes on and all of Australia's are just really pre petulant where they like try to cross out things and say actually I just think you might be just like laying it on a bit thick there and I actually think like <laughs> the way that you've phrased like, I, I saw like one of the comments that they uh, that um, Australia apparently objected to um, they objected to a paragraph claiming that campaigns by fossil fuel industries had slowed progress on climate action and they called uh it a political viewpoint made to seem factual. Mm. Now, if that doesn't sound like a snarky track changes remark, like... Um, that's political? Um, and if you're wondering how they made it seem factual, it was with multiple rigorous scientific yeah. studies. <laughs> it's so fucked. Like, it's grim. <laughs> They're so used to just arguing in the comments on Facebook that they think, like, show me your sources, though, yeah. is a thing that you can say to, a, like, a group of scientists without yeah. them being like, yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Scroll a bit further down. The, the, the bit that you didn't look at that's small at the bottom of the page. Oh, that, not that's reading what footnotes. the sources are. No, <laughs> not reading footnotes. I don't have time. Take it out. It's mean. Because, yeah, like, the IPCC fucking does their homework and this is attached to, like, multiple reports with, like, Shell and stuff saying... The lobbying is going well, my lord. The climate action has been slowed. <laughs> they're, they're, they're like, oh, this this is just a political point. It's trying to seem factual. Show me your sources. And they show them all the sources. And their only response from their usual method of arguing is just be like, oh, trick triggered. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Fucking hell. <laughs> so, so all I'm imagining now is that Australia doing like uh, uh, making the comments and the track changes as if they're like a pit crew avatar arguing with you on Twitter and just constantly trying to like <laughs> change the goalpost constantly and you're just like why am I even bothering with this yeah, yeah. <laughs> why am I bothering to give you links <laughs> they're in all caps and they've used ellipses where they shouldn't um, <laughs> here's, here's another highlight from Australia uh, They asked to be removed from a list of big coal consuming and producing countries <laughs> I love the idea that it's just got one China, two India, three, four Japan, five <laughs> <laughs> Well pretty much, so the reason they gave is that our coal consumption is an order of magnitude lower than other countries listed Um now, that sounds impressive. An order of magnitude just means 10 times. So, in theory, <laughs> yes, our use of coal is at least 10 times lower than China. Um, but that's all. 
There is no <laughs> other country that we are ten times lower than. So he's a yes. <laughs> we're <laughs> using less coal than China. Fucking good job. They're the number one in the world by a long shot. Um, we're the tenth largest user of coal electricity. And that's, I'd say, in any decent list, going up to ten seems fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're the tenth biggest coal power user, which puts us in the top ten. Yeah. And also, Lang, that, that, that sort of quantification doesn't even include... Mm. The coal that we export overseas, does oh, it? Oh God, no! No, yeah. which uh, we're like number one. I yeah, there's so much coal. <laughs> where, where's China getting all that coal? I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if this is more of that fucking tricksy bullshit they try to pull, where it's like, well, we're not counting any of the coal that mm. we send overseas that's then used, but we're also not counting any coal that we import. We're not counting any of that stuff. We're just counting the stuff that Scott Morrison brings into Parliament. Oh, cool. So that technically means we're already at net zero then. <laughs> Sick. We did oh, it. So grim. We did it. Guys. <laughs> Just writing into the IPCC report, being like, you, you didn't mention that we stopped exporting coal for a full three hours <laughs> when uh, Mia was sitting on the train <laughs> trying to count that back against their carbon credits. They I fucking mean, it's would. Absolutely, the shit they would do. Yeah, they so, would put that in yeah, there. This is just the the kind of basic shit they're doing, and I, I, we don't like to talk too much about other countries. Saudi Arabia has said even more insane shit, like. Phrases like the need for urgent and accelerated mitigation at all scales. Ah, guys, that's, I don't like that. We don't, we think that should be eliminated from the report. The use of transformation should be avoided as it has policy implications by requiring immediate action. They're basically saying, (laughs) yeah, can we just not? Oh, right, we'll all we're all agreed that there's a disaster happening. Yes, 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 yes. But I don't like the way that we're talking about how we should do something about disaster. <laughs> that. That seems a bit wrong to me. Can we yeah. just agree that there is one, but not really talk about whether that's bad? I just I just think as well, like there's this conversation that's sort of been happening um, mostly around that you know wonks and people that read the Guardian too much. But this idea that like. Internally in Australia, it's the Nationals and the Liberal Party fighting it out. But internationally, Scott Morrison is playing this chess game and actually we're going (laughs) to sign up to these things. And, you know, Matthias Cormann, he's now he's been lobbying that he's always been in favour of working on climate change. And internationally, Australia is actually doing pretty, pretty Mm -hmm. well. And like we need to keep in mind that this time last year, Australia was making international headlines for being absolute gronks at the last COP Mm. meeting, which is coming up. That's annual. Mm. Like, we are known as international pariahs, and I think it is really important when this, like, sort of leak comes out to realise that at all levels, not even publicly, they mm. want to kill you and are working against our interests. Like, it, yeah. it makes sense when Scott Morrison comes out and goes, oh, electric cars are not going to tow your boat because <laughs> he wants mm. votes. But then this shit was never supposed to come out. This was hidden like what was supposed to be hidden of the Australian government going, let's water it down a bit so we can keep like emitting fossil fuels and keep making money off of that. And like, they are to the core committed to our fucking death at this stage. And you really need to keep that in mind. Yeah. By a lot of metrics, Australia is the worst or at very least one of the worst countries on climate action and is actively working against other countries taking climate action like yeah. it, at multiple points australia in talks like this is is like hey what if we had lower targets hey what if we did less hey what if we made it more difficult for everybody to get off coal yeah they're just like climate action what do you mean climate we're we're emitting tons of carbon into the atmosphere <laughs> <laughs> well, climate has never been more active <laughs> strongest carbon action you can make but so th- this is this is one of the things is we are like a world leader in some aspects still we still you know punch above our weight a lot but over the last 15 years it's slowed down whatever 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 one of the things from last year was the fucking carryover credit bullshit mm. and a bunch of nations were like hey australia you're kind of influential. Can you cut that shit out mm. and stop making it a good idea for places like Brazil and Qatar and Saudi Arabia mm. to use that shit as well? Because you're undermining the process of every other country. They're also doing things <laughs> where, like, when we come forward with this utter bullshit about, like, oh, take this out, don't do this, we're actually we're carbon neutral already, don't worry, blah, 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 blah. That runs interference for other countries to not have mm-hmm. to go hard with their negotiations on shit. So they can go, France can go, ah, don't worry about how much we're emitting. Look how bad Australia is. All exactly. our coal companies can continue to emit shit. Like, we are not just bad for emitting carbon, like you said, Lang. We are a- 
actively working against the world bringing down their fucking emissions. And it is gross and disgusting. I feel bad. It makes you wonder about the sort of campaign to push Scott Morrison to go to COP26 in mm. Glasgow, where it's like... <laughs> yeah, what good would that do? I, fucking, I don't want him there. I don't think he yeah. should go. I think he You'll should stay here fucking about while the other countries bloody get on with the job and enforce some sanctions on us from the outside. Yeah. He'll do no good at COP. This is the, literally the thing I was talking about last week, about the capacity to feel shame like, what kind, of, what kind of capacity to feel shame does Australia have when we're up in the notes for the actual IPCC report saying, actually, we don't want to do any of this and also uh, I wish to not be acknowledged in the list of, like, the highest coal producers and consumers in the world when it's literally factual. Like, there's no shame in that. Why would they ever be shamed on a national stage with yeah. by, by any, any other sort of uh, any other country. Yeah. No other country seems willing to push them on this either. So mm. what's yeah. the point of other countries? Like, what's the point of Scott Morrison even being there if there's no sort of capacity for shame in this? He's there to slow action and yeah. do deals with people who will slow action themselves. Yes. There's no use for him to be at Glasgow. Just another vote for fossil fuels. It's just to make themselves feel better. The only international buddy conference I want him to go to is the fucking Hague. <laughs> <laughs> Christian fucking Porter. Christian Porter, uh, back in the dock, back in the notes. He's been in the news yeah. the entire time, but um, a little peek behind the the curtain <laughs> to pull back the kimono. Um, I've been oh. putting, <laughs> I've been putting Christian Porter. No, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. I've been putting Christian Porter like notes into our docs every week for the last month because every time like every week he does some shit that just blows my fucking mind and I'm like I really want to talk about it and we just we don't get to it we've got other things we want to or need to cover blah 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 blah, blah. and it just keeps more important up. that we beef with a different podcast we can't cover this corruption <laughs> issue <laughs> but just he continues to be a massive piece of shit but this week just gone <laughs> allegedly allegedly no no, no he's, <laughs> he's, he's just a piece of shit the way, I, the way he talks it's not a crime um, Allegedly, <laughs> but this last week is when things sort of bubbled up into like a big, like full federal government mask off moment. The reason why we're talking about him again this week is because of his blind trust acceptance. You're probably aware of it. We'll go into it in a little bit, but he accepted money from people he didn't know, anonymous sources to pay for a defamation suit. And the Speaker of the House this week went, hmm. That looks like there's something there to investigate. A fucking politician getting potentially up to a million dollars to pay for legal fees. No one knows who it is. Maybe let's investigate it. And the federal government went, nah, don't want to do it. Nah. We are not doing it. And <laughs> this does is- not seem suspicious to me. <laughs> <laughs> we put the, the, one of the notes, I don't know which one of you guys put it in here, but one of you said, this is boring but massive. And like- Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this story is like- terrifying in the most like banality of evil type of way the government has just heard from the fucking speaker of the house the you know this position that's supposed to be this mitigating a conservative force, mp himself right has gone guys there looks to be a case to be made for maybe investigating this and the entire government just went absolutely fucking not we will not be investigating this whatsoever and just left it at that and so what, yeah. the, what yeah. they've done now is they've also said, oh, we're going to do a broad-based inquiry and we're going to see maybe if the whole thing's bad. But maybe the concept of money is okay. It's fucking terrifying. Yeah. So so rolling it, rolling it all back, Christian Porter was in the news. <laughs> well, Christian Porter wasn't in the news for a little while when these <laughs> allegations of a senior MP um, uh, yeah. committing sexual- An undisclosed MP was in the news. <laughs> for, for, for allegedly committing sexual assault ages ago. Um, and it then came out that it was Christian Porter. And because of that, at the time he was attorney general. And then you remember, this is my fucking bugbear. He resigned. He, he, lost, he lost his job, which just means mm. he stopped being attorney general, kept being a politician kept being a member of the Liberal Party, kept getting a lot of fucking money each month, but wasn't Attorney General anymore. So, yeah, that was, he, so he's he, still there. Yeah. He's, he's still, still in Parliament, 100%. Stepped down from that. 
Then it all came out that he started a defamation case against the ABC going, it was very obvious who you meant in those stories when you said alleged you didn't name me, but everyone knew who it was and it it defamed me. So I'm going to sue the ABC, the public fucking broadcaster. And this was at a time where as attorney general, he was working on the laws about defamation, which seemed pretty fucking bad. Seems like a conflict of interest. Also, he was suing specifically Louise Milligan, the reporter who was on that story, not the ABC as a whole. Um, But yes, the the conflict of interest there, which is that he was working on like the committee to review defamation laws. So, so (gasps) is defamation law in Australia out of control? Well, (laughs) let's find out. (laughs) But so then, so yeah, so he's then no longer Attorney General. And then with this defamation case, he pulls the plug on it. He, for some reason, I reckon maybe because he knew he would fucking lose it, has gone, oh, nah, don't worry about it. Actually, nah, never mind. Never he mind. also had the gall to come out and say, this is a win. This is a win. ABC suck. I won. Blah, 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 oh, blah. Yeah. Not listening. Blah, blah, blah. They've wasted taxpayer money. Yep. Yeah, they wasted it on a thing you brought against them and then dropped. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they wasted a bunch of money defending themselves from my attack. Yeah, I made them money. waste a whole bunch of money. Doesn't that look bad for them? Blah, blah, blah. So then what happened with all of this is that it came out that Christian Porter, to pay for this, accepted some amount of money from some people. And that's literally as much as we know. There was a blind trust called Legal Services Trust, which funded some of his court fees. It looks like up to maybe a million fucking dollars. Most estimates are about $500,000 from this fucking blind trust. And everyone went... Hang on, that seems really fucking dangerous to have a politician on the hook to some anonymous donors. How the fuck will we know if anything you do in the future is for the benefit of the people or the benefit of these donors? And I've got a really good test. Is he part of the Liberal Party? Yes. Okay, it's for his donors. (laughs) But the appearance of that is just, that is corruption. That is what that looks like. But fucking Jackie Lambie has talked about how this blind trust money is essentially just a fucking brown paper bag of cash Mm. given to a politician. I'm going to look after you now. Don't worry about it. I don't want the public to know that I'm looking after you. But if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Let's take care of each other anonymously in the shadows. So something I just want to bring up here um, just as like a parallel um, to what Christian Porter has done here, which is having an anonymous fund uh, supporting the costs of his litigation. Um, what is the name of the fund? It's it's something anonymous. It's called the Legal Services Trust. And we don't at this point in time know who is actually managing that trust, who is nope. funding that trust or anything like that. We don't even know um, when it was started. We don't even know when it was started. I just That's wanna, insane. In, in comparison to this, um, if – the general public wants to participate in things like class actions. There is something called litigation funding, which is something that law firms use to support class actions um, and the kind of money that is needed to undertake those class actions. Um, Those are very highly regulated. Um, There was was actually a specific case in Australia uh, in which – the in response to it that it was a it's called the multiplex decision we'll put a link in the show notes but in response to that the federal government actually enacted regulations to make those like litigation funding arrangements transparent and highly regulated so Fucking just to hell. compare Australians like just an average person who wants to participate in a class action scheme that is funded by you know this kind of litigation funding it has to be completely transparent where that money is coming from of course, right. we have separate rules and Christian Porter can just do it without knowing where that money is coming well, from. Well, you can't have accountability for powerful people. <laughs> there was an amazing bit of whataboutism as well when um, the people were uh-huh. criticising Christian Porter for accepting uh, a huge amount of money from an undisclosed source where people were pointing to uh, the crowdfunding for Sarah Hansen Young when she was um, mm. pursuing her defamation suit against David Lionholm. And they were like, she didn't have to declare who, who her donors came from when she did that. And she was like... I did. I, <laughs> I declared all of them, even the ones that I didn't have to. Like, the, I think she left out like a bunch that had donated like five dollars mm-hmm, or whatever. Yeah. But the threshold's meant to be like thousands of dollars. You have to declare who it's from, and she was declaring million. who it was from from even hundreds of dollars donations. So she was like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Also, like, they, they were still just like, "Oh well, the principal." Yeah, imagine if you didn't. 
Okay. <laughs> also, like yeah. GoFundMe, GoFundMe fundraising, it still shows you who is giving the money in yeah. terms of like yeah. the actual bank accounts. It doesn't like you necessarily can- give like an anonymous donation, but from a financial and legal perspective, it's still documentable. Yeah, you can it's get also all worth pointing out at this point that when we say blind trust, like usually a blind trust is meant to exist in a way that prevents the person who benefits from the trust from knowing about what's happening with that money. Whereas in Christian Porter's case, it's mostly everybody else who's prevented from knowing about it. We have like we're saying, oh, it's an anonymous donor. We have no idea who it's from. There's nothing to suggest that Christian Porter doesn't know who it's from. Well, this is so. This is the thing. So when it first came out, Christian Porter was like, all right. I will ask this blind trust if there's any like dangerous foreign entities or anything that could be seen as a conflict of interest. And the blind trustees came back and went, no, there's not. And he went, ah, good enough for me. I just yeah. left it at that. I was like, oh, we're just going to take your fucking word for it, are we? Is that is that totally fine? We know that shit, like all the shit that Angus Taylor does, where his like brother is the head of a company whose best friend runs his other company that Angus Taylor gives a contract to. And like, oh, that's not a conflict of interest, technically. I, was like, I don't give a fuck what Christian Porter thinks or what he deems appropriate to list to the public. Show us exactly where the fucking money came from or fuck off out of politics forever. <laughs> There's no legal way for me to know who that money came from, except for keeping an eye out who gives me a little sneaky thumbs up and a wink at the soiree on Friday. (laughs) (laughs) This is the the bit that I find the strangest is, okay, Christian Porter, you don't know who it is. Sure, I believe you. And the government doesn't know who it is. And you got no idea. But it's that they're fighting so hard to prevent anyone finding out who it is. Yeah, it's almost like they know who it is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like, like, okay, so if you don't know who it is, and but, but you're sure it's totally above board, why do you care if we find out, or if you find out, or if anyone looks into it at all? It's like, if you are in middle school, and there's like, ooh, there's a little thing of chocolates in your locket says, from your secret admirer, <laughs> wink, you're like, so, I don't so, want so to Lang, be anyone. So, Lang, I don't even care. This is the mm. thing, he could find out who it was. This is the this is the main thing. There's a direct quote from Porter saying this this is the other thing. He then fucking resigned again. He was attorney general and then he resigned and then he got oh, another he thing. Good. Then he got another portfolio and recently he resigned from that over the pressure of oh. revealing where this anonymous donation came from. His quote in this is Ultimately, I decided that if I have to make a choice between seeking to pressure the trust to break individuals' confidentiality in order to remain in cabinet, or alternatively forego my cabinet position, there is only one choice I could in all conscience make. And that, in all conscience, wasn't to tell us where his fucking money came from. It was to leave the cabinet. You piece of shit. (laughs) There are so many choices you could make. They gave me that money anonymously and it would be a betrayal to break that anonymity. I've just got to accept that money and keep it for me. Thank you very much to anybody. (laughs) People, People with functioning consciences very rarely are in the position of receiving a fucking suitcase of money like in Pulp Fiction. Like, that doesn't happen to good people. I wish it happened to me, though. Jesus. Yeah, I'm not saying I would hate it. Um, <laughs> this is just another another quick little thing while talking about him resigning from, you know, the cabinet and ministerial positions and blah, 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 is that um, a, a tricky little part of this is that Scott Morrison was talking about how, you know, he may or may not have acted in accordance with ministerial standards. We should investigate that. (laughs) However, he is no longer a minister in my cabinet, so there will not be an investigation on his conduct relating to ministerial standards. Because Because he's not there anymore, because he resigned, there's no investigation to be done. As if, like... He resigned because of the investigation. I stab someone in an alleyway and the detectives are like, well, the murderer's not here anymore, so we can't look into it. Like, he's gone. Well, you see, I've removed the knife from the wound. (laughs) It's just uh, stabbing's <laughs> over. What's to investigate? You know how when you're you're working at 7-Eleven and you steal five hundred dollars from the till, but then you quit your job, and then you, they're like they're like, oh, well, you fucking stole money from the till. And you're like, no, nah, I quit my job. You can't find me. I quit. <laughs> it's not stealing on the job because I'm not on the job. <laughs> I didn't cheat on you. See, I'm breaking up with you now. So the cheating's over. Before I cheated, I went. I'm broken up. <laughs> no, after I after I cheated, I yeah, it was hundred percent. Now that I've broken up, it's not cheating right. anymore. Yeah, you can't be mad at me. It's so 
This is taken in conversation with all the fucking Gladys Berejiklian stuff, all the IBAC stuff as well. There was a fucking- It just- All of this corruption that is happening- Oh, it's the same thing over and over again, isn't it, Mitch? Where, like, people just do this stuff because they know they can get away with it. There's no- there's no consequences, mm. so why even bother? The reason why Christian Porter is saying, actually, I'm not going to say it because it would be like it would be betraying their trust, is because he knows like no one's going to actually say anything about it. Like the 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 entire federal parliament is basically. I I, I guess I'm happy for you though. Sorry that happened, and just never bothered to talk about it ever yeah. again. Christian Porter knew 100 <laughs> percent that if this got to the fucking parliament, they were like, we should investigate this. All of his fucking crony buddies in the Liberal Party were like, nope, not going to happen. Like, yeah. he was taken care of. This is what criminal cartels do. This is mafia shit. They are staying yeah, mum I mean, with each other. Like, this is the whole thing. This is how crime works. I mean, I, I think that's like, it, fr- from his point of view, right, he's got this cartel of people who are funneling funds towards him that would probably be embarrassing to them if it came out that they were doing shady donations to politicians. And he's like, I've got to keep them protected from that. They might not give him more shady donations then. And then where would we? Yeah, my sources will dry up if I out them. What is the Labor Party doing in talking about this? Are, are they talking about it at all? Like, are they are they, are they putting pressure on Christian Porter and trying to find well, out where this money has come from? I mean, in the same way that you can apply pressure with a sponge to anything you want. Like, yeah, <laughs> they are yelling about stuff and they've come up with some bad metaphors for shit. Um, they did try to push that um, uh, the inquiry that the Liberal Party shut down. They were like, hey, please do it. Uh, and, and also, we'll do a federal ICAC for this bloody stuff, this nonsense that's going on. Tell uh, you what. I don't know. Um, have we got like a like bad metaphor game. for- Have we got like a bad- Oh, God. I was going to say- I was going to say, did they bring up Daryl Kerrigan again or something? But it's more like the Squid Game. <laughs> this is like if Daryl Kerrigan was in Squid Games. It's uh, the vibe <laughs> of the thing. But so, this is, this is the drum I want to keep hitting every fucking time we can. Again, McLean, it was one of the clearest- fucking things I've ever heard someone say is that when we talk about corruption, we need to remember that it corrupts a thing and it corrupts institutions. It corrupts trust in systems. And this sort of shit is massive. The government saying, no, we will not investigate one of our own for something Mm -hmm. that is very clearly and not even allegedly, very clearly something that could lead to corruption, that could have some sort of um, conflict of interest. Them just saying straight up no undermines everything else that they can say and do from here on out. If you're an MP who is like, you know what, I reckon it'd be pretty sick to be a little bit corrupt, right? If, if you see this go down and you were like, oh, I was only going to accept $500,000 and I thought that was going to be mm. pretty steep. But now Christian Porter's accepted uh, you know, potentially a million dollars and they're, they're all rallying around him. Yeah, mm. <laughs> fuck, fuck yeah! I'm going to accept five hundred thousand dollars. Like, th- especially if there's the thing of like you, you always see when people um, get caught in like these little scandals, people pointing to other historical scandals mm-hmm. that were bigger yeah. and being like, "Well, he didn't face consequences for that, so why, so should, why I? should I face consequences now?" Like, we Australia's a common law state, and this is not a legal precedent, but it is a precedent. Yeah. Yeah. If Christian Porter is allowed to just accept a million dollars without having to reveal what it's from, that sets a new rule, not a legal rule, but certainly in terms of people's willingness to enforce it. It sets a new rule that says that's an acceptable thing to do. McLean, he was the Attorney General. He knows how this works too in terms of precedent. (laughs) He knows exactly what it looks like. He's opened the door for it. I just think it can't be understated how much this shit does trickle down into society, though. Like, a totally anecdotal example, but I do know that a couple of weeks ago, during all of the Gladys Berejiklian shit, a friend of mine from Sydney just made a comment where it's just like, yeah, no wonder no one's following the health orders. She's corrupt. And, like, yeah. it do- it sounds farcical because Australia has been a working democracy for a very long time. But look at most other corrupt countries in the world, like the, the, the openly corrupt governments, where people just talk about, like, oh, yeah, you, you got to bribe cops for this. Or, you know, local yeah. members can take bribes mm. for this sort of stuff. It happens because it is a, it's a trickle-down thing. When corruption isn't stopped and cut off and a hard line isn't taken, then this whole system stops working properly because the whole political system is based on us all just believing at once that it works. It's like money. 
All of us are just sort of going, rules should be followed. Why? Because there's consequences to to, to not following the rules. And when there's clearly not is when shit breaks down at the smallest level. You look at anti-vaxxers who are like, we can't trust the vaccine because we know that it's, oh, it's coming from big pharma. And that, you know, like <laughs> they're just pushing this, this fake vaccine because the, the government's in the pockets of all the big pharmaceutical industries. That's like, th- that's a, that's legitimately difficult to argue yeah. against mm. because they are. You got to be like, yeah, you're right about 80% of that now because the the, the 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 corruption, like it's just like, oh, he's just accepting a million dollars to pay for his legal fees. It, it People can see that and they're like, right, so we can't trust the government. Mm. And then a pandemic hits and people are like, well, we know we can't trust the government mm. correctly. Mm. So people die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny, uh, Mitch, that you brought up um, Gladys just then because – I know I've made jokes about it before, but the, the the thing about New South Wales politics too is like everyone just assumes a certain level of corruption with New South Wales politics now mm. because there has been such a degrading effect of years and years of MPs constantly doing the dumbest shit and getting away mm. with it. What was um, the line about pork barrelling? Oh, yeah, it's not illegal. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, Gladys. And, and- an old mate from America who nearly managed to skive away with like a billion dollars just because <laughs> there was so much corruption, like that they were willing to give this guy, just random dude, like a billion dollars yeah. for masks. Like this mm. is the kind of environment that we're talking about that everyone just assumes that everyone is corrupt. That has and, taken and years. Correctly. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly correctly, but yeah. So the pernicious thing about this for me too is that Scott Morrison said all of this. And I fucking, it it really does make me feel kind of sick that he's not lying about why this is a potential issue. He's hit essentially all of the same things that we just said. His quote is, we believe ministerial standards are incredibly important. And it isn't just about actual conflicts. It is about under the standards for ministers to have an obligation to avoid any perception of conflicts of interest. And that is what ultimately has led the minister to make that decision this afternoon. He knows exactly why this is fucked. And then after he made that quote, days later, was just like, yeah, but we're not going to look into it. Right, fellas? Hey, hey, don't worry about that. We got your back. It's all good. (laughs) We've got to avoid any perception of conflict of interest. But above that, you've got to protect your mates. It's just, yeah, that's what really gets to me is that this isn't a like bumbling Trump type situation where it's just like laws i don't care about that or like you know perceptions I, what where was my morality i don't give a shit like this is someone who knows why it's a problem and doesn't give a shit and he's actively working against that sort of stuff and that's scary because he's running the fucking country him and his like team of fucking mafioso cartel criminals are at the moment running the running the country i mean honestly it's not a million years away from trump like trump was just a slightly higher version of oh there are no consequences for anything oh i could shoot someone and i'd be fine i could incite a riot and i'll be fine fuck it let's have some fun with it these guys are yeah. still at the level of we, we should pretend that we're not doing bad things. But that, that's that's what I mean. There is a there is an actual, not even tacit. There is an explicit acknowledgement of why this is bad, why corruption is bad, what the issue is, and they still just blatantly in our fucking faces just go, yeah. But I'm also just going to be corrupt. Like yeah, this like Scott Morrison just said, yes, this is really bad. This will undermine the public's trust in me and the job I'm trying to do, and that fucking rules, right? Mm. It's because that sort of thing gets reported as like, well, look, he, 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 you know, has been engaged in what does look like corruption, but at least he knows why corruption's bad. And that's something that we can yeah. like really take comfort in. It's like, no, he knows why it's bad and he's still doing it. That's even worse. Yeah. I just want to thread the needle here too, just um, tying this back to some of the stuff we were talking about earlier. These are the kind of things that cause people to decide that the Nice little, you know, civil actions that they were doing in protest mm-hmm. aren't getting anywhere. If like mm-hmm. the if, if the people mm. in charge are acting this way with no consequences and no retribution or no sort of transparency, yeah. everyone else is looking at them going, Well, if these guys can act like this, what's the fucking point of a civil society where we just have to pretend that there's any sort of like just situation in where we're just gonna be looked after by the government? 
Yeah. If they're not following the rules that already exist, how can we trust them to come up with new rules to make things better? That's yeah. not going to fucking happen. It's the fucking basic social construct of government. Exactly. It's like, what we'll do is all the population will pool our resources and we'll decide some people who, can tr- who we can trust to spend those resources for the benefit of, oh, it says here themselves and their friends. <laughs> okay, maybe the idea of democracy's fucked. <laughs> That's yeah, not a wrong that, conclusion that, to come to. Exactly. Like, not to sound dramatic about it, but it literally does erode democracy when you see the yes. people that you suppose, you're supposed to <sighs> see in charge of your well-being yeah. and your livelihood acting in this way. And not only that, not only acting in their own self-interest, but slowly removing the things that help a civil and just society, mm. like welfare, like, uh, like public services, like public health, um, when you see those two things, it immediately, like, it removes your sense of being able to trust the government being able to act when the time is right. When it comes to things like climate change that need immediate action, why on fucking earth would I trust my government to do anything meaningful about climate change when they can't even do something like tell one MP, hey, show us your fucking sources for your money? Like, why, would, why, would I, why would I trust the government? Yeah. I think that's what we end the pot on. <laughs> 100%. That was good. <laughs> Shout outs. Shout outs. Shout out to the Inner North Medical Clinic, who's obviously been listening to the episode of the pod where we're talking about how to get vaccines in front of people because they're just doing fucking sick stuff with their pop-up vaccination clinics that they've been doing around the Inner North. Um, they did one with the Moroccan Soup Bar. Oh, Moroccan Soup uh, Bar, amazing. Just a- nice. Really delicious place in uh, in Fitzroy. That oh god, lockdown's over. I'm gonna go to the. Moroccan <laughs> we actually um we spoke to um the Moroccan soup bar on 3CR Tuesday um and actually just amazing people um uh, the, the lady who um helped facilitate this vaccination clinic also just spoke to us just about having like just a really cool community space to like help people like you know figure out how to help their community in like a sort of communal way as well that's just rad. really fantastic work really love it so love great it. they just did this initiative where they're like yeah we've got a pop-up vaccine clinic right next to the bar and get a get a jab get a get a free chickpea bake <laughs> I'm double vaccinated. I was like, oh, <laughs> hit number three, maybe. <laughs> Community. That's fantastic. And, yeah. and the Inner North Medical Clinic have been smashing it the whole they're time. Absolutely. They're fucking, yeah. they're great. I've heard anecdotally, um, but I have heard some really good things um, uh, for any trans folk out there as well who are obviously uncomfortable with official documents and whatnot. Um, Inner North Medical Clinic have been really good with that sort of stuff as well. They were part of the um, Fab Jab campaign this week. This week was basically um, a run to get as many people who are LGBTQI identifying vaccinated in a safe environment. So Drummond Street, uh, the Pride Centre had a pop-up vaccination clinic and they'll be continuing to do that stuff as well. Um, Just anyone who feels that they can't have like you know access medical services in a safe environment mm. uh, like completely non-judgmental very safe um being able to talk to people about their health concerns really fantastic it's a really good initiative that's they're so fucking nice. rad nice. that's so they're nice so <laughs> shout out to Inner North yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh fuck yeah man, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking now maybe i do want to go get a booster or something or just moderna Something else. <laughs> Got a chickpea bag. Yeah, the Top Moderna one's good because then you'll get the Dolly vaccine as a booster. Fuck yeah! No, look, this is this, this this is fucking great, but I still reckon we should keep fucking shouting as loudly as we can. Pop up clinics at Bunnings. Give me a snag. Yeah, vegan vegan yeah. snack yeah. for the I, like. This is all good. This is amazing steps. Shout out to these guys. But let's keep fucking going. Bunnings snags yeah. vax. Let's fucking go. Yeah, Queensland. Got Queensland, I believe now yeah. is is. Vaccines at Bunnings, and it's like, Shout yes, that is a no-brainer. <laughs> if you're at Bunnings and you're getting some power tools and shit, and there's a guy there who's like, you want a, you want a vaccine with your sausage? You'd be like, ah, oh, yeah. G'day, right. Cobber. I do, I do like the idea of a fucking tradie sitting there in his little ruggers, his little short shorts, and he's like sitting down, <laughs> and the guy with the sausage is like putting sauce and onion on it and distracting him like a nurse does as a doctor, like, ooh, <laughs> and just jabs him in the arm as he's like, sausage, sausage. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually worked too. I checked on the numbers from Queensland yeah. and they're they're coming up to speed in terms of full mm. uh, both first and full shots. Yeah. So even though COVID has basically not existed in Queen in Queensland, um it seems like they're starting to catch up in the vaccination states. So that's great. Nice. 
is is it also worth just sort of shouting out to just the general Australian population because our vaccination rates over the last couple of weeks have been just really encouraging. Yeah. Just just. Yeah. Yes. Sh- shout out to everyone. Shout out to shout us. Out to everyone. Also, <laughs> just remember that every time you see, like, over the next weeks, we're going to see a couple of like really annoying clips of people sitting outside. Like, we there was like a bunch of footage this weekend of like anti-vaxxers sitting outside St Kilda shops uh. and stuff like that. Just remember, first of all, they're in the extreme minority, and secondly, mm. all it will take is one rainy day for them to get fucked off and go get to get their first vaccination <laughs> because they won't be allowed into any place. Yeah. So, all these people are being socially ostracised. <laughs> Just remember that. <laughs> they have no friends. The thing of when you see that protest of anti-vaxxers, like, statistically speaking, from we know of what the numbers are looking like, it looks like that's all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're going to be one of the most vaccinated places in the world. Dan Andrews actually was talking about this in a press conference. We're heading towards being one of the most vaccinated cities or states in the world. Australia is going to reach, um, you know, a a level that is higher than most other countries in the world, faster than them. And we had, like, we started pretty late. It it inspires this really weird kind of like, yeah, we're number one in vaccines. Eat shit under vaccinated. Uh, Uh, (laughs) Sorry, everybody. Uh. Uh, I I wish you the best. Uh, (laughs) I'm glad that we're kicking the shit out of the UK and the US, but also we should keep vaccine production going so we can fucking give it to every other neighbor in our vicinity. Oh, my God. Yeah, that'd be nice. I mean, we're still being beaten by Cuba, but, you know. That's because Cuba rules. (laughs) Shout out to Cuba. Cuba fucking <laughs> rocks at everything. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. We would love it if you shot us any questions or queries or clarifications you might have. You can do so to our email, notgoodpod at protonmail.com, or just hit us up on all the socials at notgoodpod. Yeah, send us another question. I really, I'm, I'm sad I missed out on that episode the other week where you got to answer um, that really great reader question. Although I just wanted to say also, I really appreciate you referring to us as all the nerds and Evie. I, I've definitely. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Also, tell your friends about us on the podcast, or if you're hesitant to recommend podcasts to your friends, just take all of our talking points and bring them up with your friends yeah. as though they're your own. That's just as effective. <laughs> These are. Open source opinions. Do yeah, yeah, yeah. You can have them for free. I don't care. You don't need to source them to me. They're yours. <laughs> You've listened to the pod. They're your so, opinions. Yeah. <laughs> someone, <laughs> someone taking on mine too much and just like, man, Michael's gotten real screamy lately. <laughs> like, I'm just verbally retweeting Kate and Joshi here. <laughs> <laughs> Not Good Enough was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders and sovereignty was never ceded.